Nick, we've been doing this podcast for, let's say, four months or so, right? Maybe four months. Mm-hmm. And at no point has there been a MCU movie for us to um, review before this. Yeah, we really haven't had a big major debut um, in theaters for the MCU. No. Luckily for us, MCU knew that Wham! was going to do their first. We were going to break our MCU virginity. So they gave Mm -hmm. us a heavy hitter. They didn't give us one superhero. They didn't give us two superheroes. Mm -mm. They gave us three half-baked ones. Yeah. It was bad. <laughs> um, welcome to Wham! Episode 20. Uh, yeah. This week we watched The Marvels. Um, it just came out on, what, Friday? Yeah, it came out this Friday around November 10th. Um, now, so here, let me get it up here. Um, so the this movie, the budget was $274 million, $74.8 million. Um, oh. The box office, um, as of opening on opening weekend. day, yeah, opening weekend, worldwide. One hundred and fourteen million. They're not even halfway there. No, I mean I don't and know. Usually bad. for a Marvel movie, that's bad. It's really this is the lowest grossing opening weekend. Um, my I was I watched this in a, a theater with maybe six people in it during a three p.m. showing. Uh, I was ordering some food there at Alamo Draft House, and I asked the guy there, "Hey, is this like what it usually is like for like a Wednesday at a?" Uh, 3 p.m. showing and he said no no even even at times like this if it's a marvel movie we're getting like we're not getting full seats but there's a good amount of seats taken this is extremely low man you just really want that alamo draft house sponsorship don't you you're just, i don't you just gunned for it okay here's you know when thing. i saw the movie at alamo draft house <laughs> it's not necessarily that i want the sponsorship it's more of like if you're at austin and you bring up alamo draft house it's a sign of respect <laughs> it's like how we identify each other got it man um i'm not the weird yeah. one in the situation i'm not weird you are <laughs> um but yeah i this movie i had 10 people in my theater um mm. it, it was at it was at 2 15 it started so it was it wasn't really a great time for it but still mm-hmm. it was empty and most of the people didn't really seem like they were there to see it it was like oh this seems neat and they went to go <laughs> see it in the movies um they just wanted to to get it off their checklist yeah this movie so the shortest runtime marvel's ever had um the lowest like lowest reviewed before release and the lowest Mm -hmm. reviewed as of release um this movie's just really not good going into it we already like had heard this um Mm -hmm. and they only had what not even a week to do their rounds of like press and stuff before the movie came out well, yeah, the uh, the strike ended on the Thursday because that's when we recorded. So oh, the they had – yeah, the next day, that's when they did it. Uh, they had um, the main actress for Kamala Khan, uh, Miss Marvel, who is incredible. She's always been incredible. She came mm-hmm. to like just a local screening in her hometown and just came out on stage and started yelling with everybody. I thought that was really cool. She's always been a great um, – a part of this because she has a lot of like you know knowledge about marvel and has always had a lot of energy around it that can't save this movie though no this movie i think you really did need to watch the tv show to really mm-hmm. get a grasp on her character because this whole movie she was just fangirling and it almost just seemed like the writers were insulting marvel fans through it like um <laughs> Like there's a scene later on where something big is happening and um the other whatever, the other lady um Monica Rambo. Yeah, Rambo turns over to the girl and she's like, Man, how many fanfic like Marvel fan fictions are you completing in your head right now? And she's like, So many and that that's it. That's the whole that's the whole dialogue between them as like some fighting is happening. And well, that's I not hmm? that wasn't a fighting scene. That was a little bit of a silly scene, I thought. Yeah, but I mean, just like as this other stuff is happening, as just comic relief to what I don't want to see yeah. the dancing anymore. Um, <laughs> but and then I don't know if it was just my theater, but uh, before we get into it, what do you think about the music overall in this movie? Because my theater was really quiet and I barely even noticed the music was there a lot of the time. Well, OK, so I have mixed feelings about the music. Uh, I'm I'm obviously 
very focused on soundtrack when I do these kinds of things. I'm just a big music guy when it comes to movies. Um, I think one thing that I found consistently is it was very chaotic. I think it was a little low level. It definitely wasn't as prominent as other movies, um, but it didn't have a style that I necessarily could pinpoint. A lot of the time it was just a, 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 a large layering of different noises um, mm. that I thought were fun to sort of have at some points um, because it, it was at least unique. It's nothing like a standard orchestra that we have, and it's not electronic either. It was something I couldn't pinpoint. Uh, and then there's the songs when they land on the uh, Everybody Sings planet, and that was indescribable. Not that was in forced, a... yeah. <laughs> I, w- <laughs> I don't care. I thought it was neat. I don't know. It was neat, but like after two minutes, I'm like, I get it. Can we stop? <laughs> I like um, the bilingual thing. That's about it. Yeah, that that was funny. Um, he's bilingual. Um, <laughs> but I think one thing that they really try to push in the MCU's um, Captain Marvel is like she's this really strong, stoic, um, you know, lone wolf, but still likes you know being around people kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um. But the way they show that a lot of the time, they choose to show that is with her just being like so stonewall stoic that she's like not showing any emotion with what she's saying. And so it's just it just comes off as like, is she is she just like reading a cue card off camera? (laughs) It kind of feels like she's like going into how it's really lonely being on the ship. She's really happy that she has like crew members and that there are other people around again. But when she says this, there's just no emotion on her face. There's no smile. There's nothing. And if it is, it's a tiny little like, like tinge of it. And so it just feels like it's not genuine in any way. Mm -hmm. And that's how all of her emotion is throughout the entire scene, even to the point where like, someone really close to her just gets trapped in a different dimension. It, there's just, there's just mm-hmm. nothing. I mean, the I think the one of the worst parts about this movie is everything that was told about these characters. Not Okay, let me rephrase. Everything that we see these characters go through, every emotion that they have, isn't told visually. It's told verbally. They mm-hmm. have to say, I'm excited. I'm sad. I experienced this. I'm sad about this. It's never told through their actions. It's never told through their expression. It's mostly told through um, dialogue. And that's not horrible if you have it at a good rate with visual. I think what makes a good movie stand out from a great movie is what you can show, don't tell. And that's just me basically just copying what I've learned from like my high school teacher. But I, I find that it ha- happens a lot of the time. There's no showing in this. Everything that you know comes from words, comes from dialogue. You can never assume something on your own. So the start of the movie, we get a really nice little animated sequence that's mm-hmm. um, probably like it lasts longer than we see the main characters for, um, which in the first seven minutes of the movie is pretty upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, the animation style that sort of starts off this movie is inspired by the little doodle style yeah. they have in Miss Marvel. Yeah, Judy uh, Moody in the Not Bummer Summer. Yeah, I, one thing I think this movie really struggles with is kind of an identity in that the only thing that is really going on in this movie is that our three you know super characters are entangled together for whatever reason that they give, and mm-hmm. then. Later, they get together. They have a little Beastie Boys montage, like playing with their powers and playing yeah. jump rope. One of and the better parts they, of the movie. Yeah, and then they go and fight the villain. The villain just kills themselves immediately, and then they have this little <laughs> triumphant thing. And then, okay, well, three's down to two, I guess. And then they just—that's it. That's the movie. And then there's a triumphant return. And I'm like, what did we accomplish? <laughs> Nothing happened. They're just the villain has killed themselves and our friend is gone too. This and is why yeah. is everyone like, oh, you did so well. What the fuck did we do? <laughs> I mean, I, I I have to agree with you. One thing that I found weird about this, what you're bringing up is the idea of our main issue of the plot is, okay, we have a villain. Uh, nobody's going to remember her name. I'm not going to even pretend like I... I cared about her. She was not yeah, a great girl. Villain. Girl Ronan. She, girl Ronan. she was, she, uh, what? She had an ancient 
no, a universal weapon, which is what the special Ronin hammer is called, I guess. Um, she was a Cree. She was leading the Cree. Um, I don't remember her name. She wasn't interesting, but our main plot point is to defeat her. Our three heroes have to work together. All three of them, not really like accustomed to each other, but because they keep teleporting, uh, from each other's places when they use their powers, they have to do it together or else one of them will end up on the other side of the galaxy. Um, the way that got connected, I understood it. It was, we have two people who touched a broken um, portal, which I like their portal technology. I like that it's consistent throughout, especially since it was set up in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and then we had a t- a time, oh, a quantum bangle that Miss Marvel wears for whatever reason. Um, well, the bangle... It's her... Like, it's her I, is it like channel her it lets her teleport i think is that it it, it lets her teleport but she never had that before in the show i don't think at yeah least I what think I she did. that was like the whole her grandma gave it to her her grandma gave it to her and that gave her the powers to uh to what traditionally isn't big in the comics to form light and to sort of have light powers but as the show went on the bangle no longer gave her those light powers so there wasn't really a use for it because she learned how to do it by herself but she Mm. still wears the bangle which i guess comes in handy because you didn't know it was a it was a like a like wormhole creator yeah i didn't know it was a wormhole creator but it's very convenient of you to know that it's also like fashionable is what you thought (laughs) is okay um but we have you know, let's take a little detour. Let's go to memory lane a little bit here. All right. I Nolan, love this place. I want you to think about Spider-Man 3. All right. Uh, so, which which Spider-Man 3? The Sam Raimi. The good yeah, one okay. that no one liked. Um, <laughs> I, love, I love those all together. Yeah. Yeah. The good one um, that no one liked. That's it. You know what I mean? Um, so Spider-Man 3, big problem people had it is with there are too many villains, too many mm-hmm. cooks in the kitchen here. We can't focus on one person too much. And so we really don't get a good look at anybody, right? Yeah. I think if it was Sam and Venom, that would have been good. Uh, Gobby wasn't necessary. Exactly. Now, if we look at this movie, we don't have the exact same problem, but we do have three main characters that the plot equally demands that we have emotional connection to and that we get some sort of arc for them. Mm-hmm. In this movie, we have really no sort of arc that Miss Marvel goes through aside from getting a basically promotion to a slightly newer seat of knowing Captain Marvel and being a little closer to Nick Fury. The Rambo, Mm. the only thing that happens to her is we push her into position for some other movie where she's in a different universe and she can come back. Mm -hmm. And then Captain Marvel has exactly like no arc in this movie. And I don't she's like really sad about everything that happened to her. But that's kind of thrown away, I guess, at the start. I don't really remember them bringing Mm -hmm. it up at all. And then she's really sad about like, you know, abandoning a people and like killing thousands or whatever. And she wants to help. But it still fucking happens anyway. So like, what <laughs> what, what are we what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if I were to describe the three arcs that happen in this, I will agree that Miss Marvel doesn't really change in character. The only thing that happens is she assumes more responsibility now as someone who has to deal with galactic threats. Because mm-hmm. uh, like, imagine being like, oh, you're the protector of Jersey City. To hey, so like. You're going to have to see an entire world die. <laughs> and then Stop this genocide before Monica, your math homework. Monica Rambo specifically has to deal with some child with childhood trauma and some recent trauma specifically from uh Captain Marvel abandoning her in a time of need and her own mother's death, one that she was abandoned or she wasn't there for because she died um during the blip when she was gone. And mm. then I would say that Captain Marvel's, which this is the most baffling arc of all, which you've already touched on, the idea that she has to forgive herself for a genocide, and then also she fixed the genocide so it's no biggie. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a big order. <laughs> <laughs> and that gets what, you know, twenty-five minutes in this hour fifty movie? That's like, I mean it's it's like the 
that doesn't that doesn't divvy up. We don't have enough pie here. We yeah. don't. She they give like little hints to it because like the Kree all call her the Annihilator, and she's like, I really don't like that nickname, guys. And then she starts crying out of nowhere in one scene, not crying, but you know, emotional. And she goes, They call me the Annihilator because I destroyed their entire planet. Like, what are we doing here? What's going on? Is this like what we really wanted as like as fans? <laughs> is the is the AI she destroyed the AI that controlled them? Was that in the first movie? Was that a thing or did they I, just pull that out of their ass? Uh I'm going to say something that we're all thinking. Mm. Don't remember Captain yeah. Marvel that well. That's exactly why we had that recap at the start of the movie because they went, fuck, all right, it's been years. This was Did before you have the recap Endgame. too? Yeah. They went, okay, this is before Endgame. What the fuck do we do? Audiences don't remember what the fuck happened. This movie wasn't good enough for people to keep rewatching it. How do we mm-hmm. like get them up to speed? And so they give us literally just clips strip ripped straight from the old movies put in you know how we have clips of like all the Endgame and like whatever clips in the Marvel credits as they roll in. Yeah. It's that same feel. There's that same piss filter over it all. And it's kind of <laughs> hazy. We can't quite see it clearly. Like the edges are all blurry. And it's just, it works, but it's really lazy. I wouldn't expect that from a huge, big budget Marvel movie. And seeing that straight in, plus that little animated segment, was kind of disappointing. Are you referring to the uh, dream sequence that happens? In no, this? Mm. that's a whole other can of worms. I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying the recap. I the recap I had in my theater, uh, Alamo Drafthouse made a special one where like somebody with a sarcastic tone just went over the plots of um, specifically Captain Marvel, then WandaVision, and then Miss um, Marvel. Yeah, I just had a recap of the. Oh wait, no, no, no! I guess that is the dream dream sequence, yeah. Mm. Um, but but um, where she's just thinking of being, you know, she had so much life she forgot that that stick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm that. Um, still same school, same thing. Um, the creators felt like they needed to give that to the audience, and if you want her to have that, you know, whatever PTSD for the whole event, um, don't don't just show us a slideshow and have her wake up in a cold sweat. That's really boring. And it's really lazy and stupid. Really? Like you couldn't think of anything better. Yeah. I I think Iron Man three does it. Okay. But I don't know if that would be applicable to, um, to this situation just because Iron Man three's PTSD, um, is really just in the form of, Hey, you're kind of famous for like going to like, New York and sort of defeating aliens. So now everybody's mm-hmm. asking you about that and it's not a great subject for you. <laughs> yeah, that's understandable, you know, but he has like a full on dream sequence. She has a dream of clips from the other movie. Mm-hmm. And so it just feels canned. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, um, I don't know, just this whole movie just really feels like they just needed to get people in position. And that's all it is. I here's I think the biggest thing we can do going uh, forward with the MCU, which I think is going to be really beneficial for them. If you're going to have all these projects, um, don't make them all connect into each other. Maybe have plots that can work on their own. Like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. What did you need to watch before that? Guardians 1 and 2 and then Endgame. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like... I right after this, I went home and I finished Loki season two, which I won't spoil anything about right now. But in that, but I have, but I will. Um, (laughs) Too bad. Um, They have the ability to take this like stream of events and timeline and separate it from the core events of the MCU Mm -hmm. and have a reasonable explanation that's not a crazy workaround for why we can do this, but also have silly adventures over here with that guy and it doesn't matter. And I think not having that ability anymore is really difficult because even comics can do that now. And that's why comics can have such more interesting stories in the MCU. And I think years ago, having that whole connected universe 
was a lot more interesting, but now it's impeding us more than anything because we want to keep everything interconnected Mm. when at some point we just have to kind of decide like, all right, let's just decide to kind of shove some things aside and be like, eh, don't worry about it or whatever, or just have a little explanation, something, you know, but it's just, we're constricted, I guess. I mean, even DC is falling into this. We now have, uh, the, the, uh, CEO of, um, of DC studios, uh, James Gunn specifically saying, Hey, we're going to have a main timeline and we're going to have Elseworld stories specifically where we can just let full creative freedom go through and not have anything tied in. They're ahead of the game on this. This is like the best thing ever. The only way that like, there's like an off branching story in the Marvel's universe or just like for Marvel products is either an animated children's TV show or what if, and what if has been a pretty big letdown. I think what if was cool. I I think it was it was all right, but what if isn't really giving itself um individualism. It's really okay, here are all the MCU characters that are not at all different, but we've changed like one tiny thing. Like I feel like there's a lot more uh lenience they can do, especially if they did something like the noir universe. They're staying too close to the timeline in my opinion. Okay, you just want the noir universe because you like Spider-Man noir. Shut I up. really, I really like <laughs> Spider-Man even, noir. Don't even act like I've just, read like, every you, Spider-Man you the noir. Universe is really interesting. Shut up! You have that big ass poster up in your house. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. They, they do can. They do can. Um, they can go a lot broader than they have. Um, like I think it's they're going in the right direction but they just got to go a little further mm-hmm. and with the whole stuff about the Kang dynasty um and that actor um i think it's just really interesting where we are gonna have to go now uh because i don't know if they're gonna go the route of all right guys same universe as that stuff but we're just carrying it out over here now or they're gonna try to rewrite the whole deal because well, i can really easy see them just kind of like be like all right guys forget all that we're just gonna be over here do you want a quick update on uh, on Kang Dynasty? Oh, sure. Writer fired, director fired. Ooh. Somebody has an inside scoop saying that they're just going to drop in it completely. Damn. Is there anything? Do they know what's going to replace it or just something that they're going to drop? It? People are saying they're going to try to replace it with Dr. Doom. We'll see what happens. I'm feeling that's not going to happen. I that's feel like the, right with it's Loki's a little bit of success they could still do kang with a different face i mean it depends on a lot of things more importantly um I th- I, a lot of people have stated that jonathan majors seems to be winning his court battle so it doesn't seem as if that's going to be the big issue the big issue is reception to ant-man 3 no i think i Ant-Man 3-2, but I, I don't think even if he wins the court battle, I don't think they're going to want to touch that with a 10-foot pole mm. just because um just like, you know, this major character in court for, you know, domestic abuse mm-hmm. just immediately sounds pretty bad. And even That's if like, true. oh, the, the allegations were dismissed, you know, let, K- Kevin Spacey, the allegations were dissolved. um You know, Kang, the actor, his wife isn't dead, but same shtick. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're just going to want to be anywhere yeah. near that. I think that is fair. I don't know uh, where those people from the Kevin Spacey stuff went, though. Uh, they died. Uh, no, no, no. I, well, are, did, did we find their bodies, or are they just gone? Do we know that I made a wax? Did I find their bodies? Did we? Did you? Nolan. <laughs> well, dude, you, did you want to tell me? You know something? I haven't been able to fit in the really, schedule. He was really good in Baby Driver. How did you feel, um, sort of about this? Um, I want to say, how did you feel about Nick Fury in this movie? I think Nick Fury got dissolved completely into a comic mm-hmm. relief character. Um, he has the ability to do really cool stuff. Have these, like, you know really like five-dimensional kind of schemes where he's always got a backup plan sort of guy and that's who he is in the avengers and that's who he is in you know all the movies and stuff after Mm -hmm. that and up to endgame and everything um and i haven't watched secret invasion but Mm. this movie it's just he he has nothing to him he's literally just there to like riff on shit and that's Mm -hmm. it 
And it's so insulting to the other movies that they've made because he was such a cool character. Mm-hmm. And Nick Fury coming back alive was such a hype thing. It was like, oh my God, he's still alive. That's sick. Mm-hmm. But it was just like, after that. Um, one, I think this is sort of the same characterization we have for Nick Fury as we have in, um, what was it? Far From Home, the Spider-Man movie. Ugh. It's a very similar where it's... Um, a very uh, distant Nick Fury where he's really just there to break tension. He's sort of a goofy guy, but still harsh. Um, and then we cut to goofy guy. And then we, we like cut... to have fun here. <laughs> <laughs> where is my funny line? Um, <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And then we cut to secret invasion. I've watched a bit of secret invasion there. He's given a lot of characterization there. Um, it doesn't mean it's a good show though. Um, it's it's a little underwhelming for sure. Uh, again, and this is going to happen more and more. Nobody cared about the scrolls. Uh, the scrolls weren't a great part of Captain Marvel, and when you don't give them a great start, it's not going to really finish any better. Yeah, um, you know, when you don't care about the people that you genocided before, and you're currently genociding again, that's kind of a problem. Um, really, something we should have learned the first time. <laughs> But we just didn't. We should really go out in the streets and march for scrolls' rights. Listen, that's what I'm saying. Um, this is fucked up. They were on the news. Why can't we do that? That'd be great publicity for Disney. That would be great. I think it was cool that they were on the news. Yeah, that's cool. cool but like, no one cared because the show sucked. <laughs> yeah. Um, we we had some good characterization of Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury in that, and then we cut right back to the Marvels, and he's really only there. First of all, the play into Saber. This is a good area where we get to learn more about Saber and its um and the shield replacement. But ultimately, he's there as a somewhat of a familiar supporting cast. He isn't the only familiar supporting cast we have, though. There was a um cameo by uh the Queen, or I think it is King. I think she kept the title of King, King of um of Asgard uh valkyrie she appears mm-hmm. and takes in the valkyrie or the refugee scrolls and that was i guess cool to have in she there literally pauses for applause i swear to god yeah and it's it's weird that we're supposed to assume that like carol and valkyrie have like some deep connection to each other i don't think that was established but you know i guess they're just like both war heroes or something we're supposed to believe that they just have like you know they're just co-workers kind of relationship. I feel like you have like this unspoken bond with anybody who fought at the last like battle in Endgame. It's sort of just yeah. like that world's D-Day. Anyone who still has contracts after that? You think they got like challenge coins for that? It's like, hey, <laughs> I don't wanna I don't wanna like take your spot in line, but I have to go to like I have to go somewhere and also I fought on the battle for Earth. So like does can your coffee wait one thing i really want to touch on is the general acting in this movie i really think was a problem um Mm -hmm. like even the you know side characters and background actors i do expect to not have the same level of quality as the main character that's a given that's gonna happen yeah, yeah 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 but when the emperor of the scrolls is realizing that he has nowhere to like bring his dying people and there's almost no emotion on his face, it's really disappointing for the entire scene. Like, everyone is dying, Mm -hmm. and this man has too much makeup on his face to emote anything, and they can't get the CG apartment to do it because they're way too overworked with the goddamn cats. And so then now (laughs) you just have this guy with his mouth open going, we have nowhere to go. And that's it. That's all he cares. It's so shit. I'm also thinking it could just be like a sign of how tired he is. Imagine like everywhere you go, the Kree sort of just like kill you off for like no reason. And you just sort of, okay, this is our home now. Tarmac. I think it's called Tarmac. Something similar to Tarmac. This is our home. We'll live here. And then a giant vacuum comes in and steals all your air. You're just sort of like, what can we, dude, what can I do? But you're not going to like, He's not upset. He's not crying. He's not like I'm about to die in two minutes. He doesn't he's, care. He he's just, this he's is inconvenienced. 
Like, dude, he's high off his mind is all I'm thinking. (laughs) This dude's cracked out. He doesn't even know what's going on right now. You don't know how good space hookah is, okay? That's that's what I'm saying. He doesn't know. Like, he just thinks this is a part of the trip. He doesn't know at (laughs) all what's going on. He's oh, we have nowhere to go. Hmm." Emperor, where do we go? He's going to wake up. Yeah, everyone's just fucking screaming. He's like, God, bad trip, man. Emperor, what's happening? He just looks up. You see that too? Dude, this is real. <laughs> Fuck it, like his pupils like get really small all of a sudden. He just panics. It's immediate hysteria. We're all gonna die. Fuck. Fucking running around screaming, like pushing children out of the way. <laughs> uh anything would have been better than what we got in this movie which was fuck all what's really weird is okay so the main the main thing that our hero is doing or our villain what our villain is doing is she's taking the resources from several planets in order to bring hers back to futility those resources are the air the water and the sun um each one of those, specifically the air and the water, we see a planet get devastated, have it taken away from them. All of the air from one planet, all of the water from another to fuel this planet that's been destroyed. Um, and then that's every time our villains or our heroes fail at saving that, we're given this whole thing where it's like they're they're supposed to be really sad about it. It's like we can't keep fighting. This planet is lost. We have to save ourselves. That happens twice. Um Big question. At the end of the movie, they just say, oh, we restored everything. The planet's back to being fine. How? Huh? Yep. How? We put it back. We hit the we hit control Z. It just spit the water back out. We're good. Okay. But if they put the water back, that means that the planet that Captain Marvel genocided is still genocided. And I thought that was her character arc. So you know how in like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, like when they're creating planets and stuff mm-hmm. – that's how I imagine they just plop the water back in there. There's like, they, guys, you could have just asked. Yeah, it, it's really not that big of a deal. Like, <laughs> I, I don't, this movie feels like it was just to get those people in place and it just wasn't thought out too hard. Mm. And I, it feels like they didn't care a lot, which is really upsetting because this could have been a really good movie, which these three characters coming together and teaming up. And it was just a nothing burger. They could have totally redeemed Captain Marvel as a character from the first one, done some better stuff from the comics that people were complaining about, but all the problems that we had in the first one about the character weren't improved whatsoever in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is the villain. A villain makes or breaks the movie. That's a big reason why we don't care about Captain Marvel's because the villain wasn't interesting. Yeah, we don't even know her name, and she was just a copypasta of one we saw in Guardians 1. There's not a good movie... There's not a good Marvel movie that doesn't have a good Marvel villain. I couldn't think of one that doesn't. It relies on it. Maybe like uh, Abadea Stone, that was his name from the first Iron Man, isn't the strongest, Mm -hmm. but he still has such a great tie with him and the twist is so well done that I can excuse that. I cannot excuse this just because we have this deep character connection to Captain Marvel. She literally destroyed your people and you're here to bring back like everything that she's wrought and you're giving revenge on her in that way. She's specifically targeting her home planets. Build a connection with that. Make it more meaningful. Yeah, I I think in in a movie with, you know, a hero and a villain, it's just as important for the audience to care and know about the villain as it is to care and know about the hero. Mm-hmm. And if we don't care about the villain and don't know who they are, we don't have that big sense of accomplishment or we did it because we don't know it really what we did. And when the villain kind of solves itself and at the end of the day, if we did nothing, it would have gotten solved on its own. It really questions why this whole like why the events in this movies took place. How do you feel about the Flurkins? How do you feel about the scene in which they have to evacuate everyone off of the Saber ship by having the entire crew get devoured by Flurkins? I think it's a really funny and creative scene. <laughs> and if we could have gotten that kind of creativity in the rest of the movie, you know, it might have been a Thor Ragnarok, but it would have had an identity at least. That's but yeah, you're right. Like, uh, God, the they had no idea they were gonna survive. Um, they they were guessing. How did they know? <laughs> they were like, "You're gonna be fine." How did well how they did saw they know? 
they saw uh, our first battle sequence when they have no idea that they're switching bodies. They have um, our main flirking goose eat up two people. And then when uh, Miss Marvel takes the cat into her area, the two people get spat out again and like f- perfectly fine. We're just given that little hint. That's one of the only show don't tells we have in this. And it's used in what I think is probably the best scene in this. I really like the scene with the flirkins. Um, uh it's we're given a little bit of context on it and then we just use that information to go okay guys there's only one way to get off of this ship and it's through a shit ton of vor please stop running let them eat you <laughs> um it, i, I mean the, yeah before we were t- before we started recording me and you talked about it um it, it was like its own little short film kind of you said um mm-hmm. It was really, it was really creative. It was really stylized, almost compared to the rest of the movie. Um, in that it was like a horror movie, I guess how it was shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it went on a little too long. Um, I just mm-hmm. thought, like after you know two or three deaths, it was okay. But it was like five or six people that we saw get uh, not deaths, but like get eaten. Dude, it was um, for sure maybe like twenty. <laughs> Was it really? There I was, don't know. There was, it was a good amount of people. I mean, that depends on when you count background actors or like who you're specifically focusing on. Well, I, I mean, just like complete separate like rooms, I guess, of seeing mm. people get eaten or whatever. Yeah, um, probably around six. But uh, it was really fun, though. Either way, it was. It, it's what I remember about the movie compared to the rest of it. In that, I almost completely forgot the main plot because I was <laughs> trying to think of like, how did we get to the cats again? And um, it's like, there, but there's this weird thing where the B plot of this movie has everything else with there are three Marvels is happening um, with the cat eggs and like goose is just laying these eggs around the ship that they're gonna hatch and they're actually gonna to save them goose eggs. Um, but there's this whole like, what are these? Go investigate. He opens a cabinet. Oh, there's more and like kind of stuff. And I didn't really need that, I guess. I, I didn't mm-hmm. need to see them that much. I I wanted to see them do something a little bit more interesting with the B plot other than we're discovering these eggs. Oh, my God. <laughs> the eggs can actually save us in the situation where nothing <laughs> else can, guys. Yeah. They turned what should have been uh, just like a basic chef clause gun i think that's how you pronounce it and they turned it into the entire b plot just to justify that scene lame yeah um overall i just think this movie was really uninspired um it was just to get characters in position for something else they plan to do in the future they didn't improve on any characters that like they laid out previously Mm -hmm. captain marvel herself goes on almost zero arc and has almost zero improvement um and just the character like the acting alone hasn't improved at all and it feels like they don't even know the character that they're playing which is really upsetting because from what i've heard captain marvel in the comics is a really cool like character it does some pretty insane stuff (laughs) but it's been done a real disservice in this and so overall for this movie i think i'm gonna give it a like half a star it's it's just Mm -hmm. it's bad it's not even worth (laughs) going to see in the movies or anything and if you don't have disney plus it's good don't go see its movie (laughs) i um i feel like captain marvel the biggest obstacle we have with her is that and this is sort of a spider-man thing too especially when we're doing uh the mcu spider-man we are given a synopsis of what her character is and what she does full time and then we're given what she does in the movies, and they're completely dissimilar. It's sort of like how Spider-Man's supposed to be this friendly neighborhood guy, but every time we see a movie of his, it's a giant threat. It's not something that's smaller. It's something that's huge. Um, I feel like we should be focusing on the actual meat of it. We shouldn't be doing the special events for a character that isn't fleshed out yet. Captain Marvel deserves to have her own story where we can finally get a real understanding of who she is regularly so we can deviate. Because, like, imagine um, Iron Man if we only knew him from Avengers, if we didn't know what he does on a day to day. That's where that's why we love seeing his change is because we know, hey, I kind of fought these guys in Iraq and then I killed like all these aliens and I have PTSD. 
Yeah, we know who the character is because we've grown with them. With Captain Marvel, we're introduced who they are. They're immediately powerful and we get nothing else. And now they're doing these big, huge, insane things, fighting Thanos, closing tears in space time. It's like saving planets and genocides and stuff. And I haven't even seen her like, you know, save a town. I haven't seen her do anything small like that or even mm. try to live a normal life outside of when she didn't know she had powers like this. And that's I, just not good. I kind of like that side of her, honestly. I like the amnesia um, effects of her plot. What I really, really think should happen is I want some lonesome stories from her to establish that she's lonely. I think everything is too much of a tie-in. The first Captain Marvel was fine for setting something up. If you want to do a real Captain Marvel 2, I think that would have been a lot better. Just because I feel like the idea of her literally just being like, what, Space Jesus would be awesome. I want to see Space Jesus happen. Yeah, I you know, I don't think this was Captain Marvel 2. This was the Marvels. And I think that's really important going into it if you do mm-hmm. see this movie. So it's, overall, what do you what do you rate it then? Given all that, uh, it I think the worst part about this movie is that it's a disservice to what these characters can be, especially since these are pretty good castings for these characters. Uh, I think uh, everyone here sort of fits a good role. They were just given a bad story. I'd give it maybe a one, maybe a one and a half. Just thinking, there were some good parts. There were some weirdly beautiful cinematography. Uh, but very rarely, just, I don't know, somebody better should have written this. Like the Space Jesus parts you're saying? Is that the weirdly beautiful? Well, I really like the one shot we see of um, Carol when she's unable to make it to the um, to the closing portal. And then we just see her small silhouette inside of space. I thought that was really powerful at like showing what we were supposed to see. And then when she comes back, her acting or at least line delivery completely um, diminishes the power of that shot. Yeah. Um, also, all the shots of them of her flying horrible. Oh, the CGI. Yeah. Only on characters is bad. Only with actors is the CGI bad, specifically when it's, okay, here's an action, here's the CGI that takes us into the next action. Because you know, um, a lot of the times uh, when there's a flight or there's sort of like a fall or anything, they'll have a, a CGI model that's placed over it and then it will just match up with where the actor is. Um, all of those feel plastic and dumb. <laughs> Good. Good thought. <laughs> Um, all right, so I think that rates it up. You gave it a one, one and a half. I get a half a star. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, really not a good score on Wham. Critics are going to be hurting. Uh, Marvel is going to be hurting about that one. Um, so yeah, what do you see your news? box office drop? <laughs> the Dude, Disney, Disney stock tomorrow is going down. Dude, guys, did you hear, did you see the Wham review? No, <laughs> is it good? And their face just goes like pale. <laughs> There's uh, a so, yeah. We have a decent amount of news right now just because the after strike finally is over so all these talks are now happening um so we finally have like a good round of news coming through um biggest one that's happening right now uh fantastic forecastings are starting to come out oh boy uh <laughs> i don't care okay <laughs> yeah Wait, uh, is there any, anyone definitive yet hey uh Okay, so Deadline has reported that there are actors that are on the cusp of signing. Um, There are two that are, I think, definite or close to being definite right now. Um, Do you want to know, can you guess who's currently about to sign paperwork to sign on as Reed Richards? Let me give you a hint. It's a bad casting. It's bad but it's also um, someone that's very popular right now it's gonna be the boy who played the pharaoh in night at the museum rami malik yeah that's a bad casting and he's popular right now that's not a bad guess it's pedro pascal uh, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's it's a weird choice overall Okay, I, I mean, I won't be mad at it, but like, why? I Are think we, we're we're just doing it to get Pedro Pascal in the MCU. Yeah, there there might have been a better place for him to be, but they definitely wanted to secure him for a large role. 
Um, and we're just like, like okay, something Patrick. with a helmet. He's going to feel naked on set. <laughs> well, he did. He did good with like The Last of Us, where he was um, unhelmeted. Yeah, but he'll be on cables and stuff. He's gonna. Oh, he's gonna feel oh. so unprotected up there. <laughs> Poor Pedro. <laughs> and then we have uh, in the top choice to play uh, Galactus right now, which will apparently be the villain for. Um, which will apparently be the villain for the first movie, which is wild, right? I hope they stretch his face out like they did for um, fucking Ant-Man boy. What's his name? Oh, MODOK? Yeah, for MODOK. I hope they do that same kind of shtick for him. Our top pick right now for Galactus is Javier Bardem. Uh, do you recognize that name? Mm-mm. Do you remember watching No Country for Old Men? Is that the dude in the cover that stares at you? call it yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's galactus i'm kind of ha- voice wise i'm happy with that i'm not angry but i think patrick warburton would be funnier uh 2024 oscars uh bad news jimmy kimmel is doing it again why, why do we keep yeah. giving it to jimmy kimmel there he's not even close to being the best talk show host i don't care do you have any thoughts on that no, <laughs> I, I just, don't. I don't. I just care hate anymore. him. I hate yeah, him. Whatever, whatever. I don't even. I don't care. Uh, yeah. Get, get uh, James Corden to do it. It'll be funny. We can make shit posts about him. There's been a casting decision, or not a casting decision. This wasn't new, but it is uh something about the story that has leaked from the Max original show, The Penguin, which is a spinoff of The Batman. Hmm. Um. Salvatore Moroni, which is one of the crime bosses of Gotham, who opposites um, Falcone, the Roman, has been casted, and he will be played by Clancy Brown. <gasps> Money. We have a statement on David Zaslav, the uh, CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, talking about the writer's strike. He's now saying that he's happy with everything they got, except that they're overpaid. If that was the Wait, main thing. Like, that's he's upset he get too much money now his 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 thing was his exact statement was they they are right about everything about almost everything so what if we overpay i've never regretted overpaying for great talent or a great asset first of all if you're not upset about it it's not overpaying that's sort of how it works if you think their worth is worth that much money then you're paying the appropriate amount I mean, yeah, there's also like, there's a, if you do, my headphones are all fucked up with, there's, um, there's also a thing where like, if you're too cheap, people aren't really going to want to hire you for those bigger projects because they're going to be like, all right, why is this guy like so cheap? Is he kind of more beginner? I don't know if I want to go with that. Let me go with the more like higher end feeling one. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's dumb to sort of have David Zaslav say that he was pro writer strike this whole time as if he wasn't one of the major holdouts for the WGA. Um, if the only issue here was just salary, then that's stupid because it's not as if you were arguing, OK, this is what we're actually going to pay you. You were arguing, hey, we're going to have AI replace you and also we're going to give you no residuals. It wasn't yeah. even arguing about the residual area. That's just trying not to be the bad guy after the whole thing's resolved. He's like, guys, look, I'm cool. Haha, ha, mm-hmm. get it? I'm with you. <laughs> Winners. Um, yeah. Now you see me three. Now you see me three. It's been described yeah. as a re it's been described as a reimagining of the franchise. It's filming this spring. Why is it how you see me three being a reimagining of the franchise? <laughs> because dumb. <laughs> you really want to reimagine the franchise? Call it now. You don't. What are we fucking doing here? Really? That'd be so much better. That's horrible, though. I don't like that. I never really saw the other movies, though. So maybe good. Have you heard about um the uh, Coyote versus Acme situation? Oh yeah. Um so Warner Brothers made that whole Coyotes versus A came um movie. They made the whole thing with John Cena, um, and then they were gonna put it away in the vaults for a twenty million dollar tax write off. Mm-hmm. And then now after that got leaked out, 
um, and some screenshots and stuff. And apparently I got like good scores and stuff behind mm-hmm. closed doors. Um, so now Warner Brothers is selling it to another studio, right? Yes, that's essentially it. Warner Brothers is saying, okay, we don't want to release it. This is part of David Zaslav's uh, sort of hate rant against anything released on streaming. He's been really cutting down on Max Originals, including movies, especially in movies. Um, uh, this is supposed to be vaulted for tax write-off. People really liked it. People liked the screenshots. So now they're saying, okay, we'll just sell it off to whichever studio puts the higher bid out for it. Along with that... Uh, American Congress is actually doing an investigation into it because this is not the first time and this is not the second time. This is the third time that they've done this. They also did this with the Scoob sequel and they did this with Batgirl. And they're now saying, hey, not only is this um, really bad for monopoly reasons, as you can put a ton of money into this and then we'll bail you out and you'll gain like no difference and consequence for it. But also, it just seems like a money-making scheme at some point. We have to investigate you into this and see if this is planning or if this is coincidental. Yeah. I don't have anything to say about that. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, it'd be, it would be weird to say that like Wiley Coyote is the reason Warner Brothers fell to its knees. To the, by the American government, but like, would you have it any other way? People will bitch about it for a year and then forget. <laughs> That's okay. what's gonna happen, probably. Um, you've heard of this, you know, this is happening. A24, Darren Arnofsky, director of The Whale and um, Mother, all bad movies, um, is making another movie with A24, as I mentioned before. Uh, the biopic for Elon Musk. Uh, why? 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 <laughs> he's still alive. He's still. Well, he's still here. Well, okay. There are good biopics about people that are still alive. There are good biopics about people that even became more important after the biopic, like The Social Network. Yeah, I don't like, think Arnowski like can pull George off a social. <laughs> Big George Foreman. Yeah. I never saw Big George Foreman. I have family. Wait, sorry. I don't have family that was connected to George Foreman, but I almost met George Foreman, but he got an injury. Yeah, probably too many fucking fat rolls. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think Darren Aronofsky has has any shot of making something like The Social Network. I watched The Whale. There's no shot he can do anything that will resemble a good movie except if well no even if it's a negative biopic it's not going to be good i mean i really like the book that they're um basing it off of it was a book written by walter isaacson he's written a lot of great um biographies before i love his work with um leonardo da vinci my biggest issue is he's an interesting did you say da vinci leonardo da vinci what? Oh, the Walter Isaacson, the one who wrote the biography for Elon Musk. He also wrote the biography for Leonardo da Vinci. Oh, all right. You phrased it like he was a coworker of Leonardo da Vinci. I'm like, no, they were I'm... close pals. They were. They were. They were actually in high school together. <laughs> they were roommates. Not. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think that is about all the news I have. Uh, I want to thank everybody to listen to Wham. If y'all are interested in more of the podcast, follow us on Instagram, where we're the most active, or our Twitter. Um, we also have a Facebook. That place is a barren wasteland. Do not visit our Facebook. Yeah, it's really uh, bad. If you have any recommendations or you want to hook up for anything of the sort, we have an email attached to our link tree. Um, that was uh, us. Thank you for listening. Uh, it's been Wham. You've been Wham. I gotta go home to my wife, man. Yeah, me too. Uh, oh, let's see ya. The old, the old balls and cock. All right, all right, man. Let's see ya. I'm not the weird one here. <laughs>